Brokenness, and this is episode 69. It is officially fall, and it has been officially fall for what about mm, almost three weeks now? It's hard to believe. Uh, today and yesterday, I've been enjoying watching the leaves fall from the trees. Um, however, I know I'm not going to enjoy having to go out and to uh, rake the leaves because as pretty as it is and as nice as it is for picture taking, uh, just getting the leaves up themselves can be uh, quite the task. But uh, like I said, I, I am enjoying seeing them changing the different colors and um, just enjoying nature in general. And so um, I just praise and thank God for that. Uh, I've been able to do one little thing that's like simple. It might sound simple to some, but it's my little pleasure moment. I guess I would say when I have my Sabbath time on the weekend, I like to get up in the morning and have anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour and a half of sitting up in the bed with my pillows propped up behind me and reading a good book. And most of the times for me, uh, it's usually not a book. It's usually anywhere from five to 12 books that I'm reading at one time, three or four pages. Some of them might be 10 pages out of one, a few pages out of the other. But it's something that I like to do. I enjoy reading. I enjoy learning, whether it's self-help books or having my uh, imagination sparred by reading uh, fiction books. Uh, different types of spiritual books on spiritual growth, etc. I just love reading books. And I also like it. Um, the benefit from it is that I get a chance to kind of sit back and relax while I am reading. And so this morning, yesterday, I did it as soon as I got up. However, this morning, I got up and I started doing things and I did not get that time in. So when I came back from house church, I said, let me get something really quick as a snack and I'm going to lay on my bed and relax with my pillows propped up behind me and take the time out to read. And it just felt so good and relaxing and, um, just good for de-stressing. And I know we all have our little routines that we like to do. Sometimes it's just the simple things in life. As I was mentioning to a coworker the other day that bring us joy and with everything that's going on in the world that makes us feel like everything is right, even when it's not. 
And of course, we still know that God is good, even though everything else, uh, so to speak, may not be good. And this afternoon, while I was reading, I also got a chance to see quite a few different birds coming to the bird bath to take a bath. I had the I saw a robin out there, a woodpecker, some sparrows, a little finch came out. And um, there was one particular bird. I was not sure what kind it was, but I got had a nice variety coming to take a bath this morning. Then at one point, uh, there was a robin on the edge of the bird bath as if looking as if he was trying to decide what to do. And a squirrel jumped up there and quickly the robin went on and ran away. You know, it's almost like the squirrel was saying that this is my territory type of thing. I just, I don't know, I get a kick out of seeing, um, watching animals, you know, as they're in action. And so on um, yesterday, uh, part of my Sabbath time, I got a chance to interview a dear sister uh, from church. And during this interview, I tell you, it was really powerful. Um, I could feel the power of the Holy Spirit just literally resonating throughout my body. And of course, I was the one doing the interview and I could feel myself getting emotional and it was just really good uh, listening to what Lisa had to say. And before you knew it, one conversation led to the next. And um, we had a lot to talk about. We talked about childhood, trauma, brokenness, her path. We talked about abandonment, the pandemic what it means to be at home, generational sin, toxic thinking, you name it, and we did it. And so I am hoping and praying that while listening to this podcast, that you are just generously blessed beyond measure. So let's tune in to the interview between me and Lisa Romero. I understand, girl. <laughs> so how has it been this morning so far? You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. And so I don't know, you know, the enemy's been coming after me all week. And I kind of think it's because this podcast. That's probably what it is, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably exactly what it is. I know exactly what you mean. Like you said, as far as the enemy attacking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So let's just let God's will be done here, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. We will let it be done, right? Because he will get. It won't be me. You know what I mean? Say that again. It cut out a little. I will be the one that'll be getting the glory out of it. You know, it won't be you. It won't be me. And like you said, Satan, he gets busy, you know, and he gets and wants to run amok with us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I had my plans. I said, okay, I am going to, uh, you know, go to sleep, get my eight hours and 
get up in the morning and do this and that and the other. And I did do the things that I normally do in the morning as far as um, getting up. And I like to, for some reason, this is just like one of my little many joy parts in the morning. I like to get up and read in the bed <laughs> on the weekend. <laughs> you know, when I'm not like rushing to try to fly out the door to get to work. So yeah. I the bed and just read and relax. And sometimes I'll have anywhere from eight to 12 books, maybe reading a few pages out of each book. But it's like my pleasure thing, you know, and being able to look out the window and see nature and whatnot, you know? Yeah, and that's good. I was able to do that this morning, but I didn't get my eight hours in. I only got about four hours of sleep. Um, and I uh, had some grief off and on. So I said, you know what? I'm not going to even just lay into it. You know what I mean? I'm just going to, you know, just pray about it and just go on. You know, if I get tired later on, I'll go down and take a nap, but I'm not going to even focus on it, you know, and I wasn't extremely tired. That's the thing about it. That was kind of weird. You know, when I drifted off to sleep, I was okay. Then woke up and then I got a call from my son and we chit chatted. It was a good conversation. He's like, oh, I better let you go to sleep. And after that, I couldn't even go back to sleep, but I wasn't even tired. So by the time I did drift off, I think I got probably like a good maybe four hours. <laughs> I woke up and I was just like, oh, wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's he's doing it on both ends. I see. Yes. I see. Yeah. Both ends. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. The next, that kind of night. But like I said, you know, God is still good, you know? Yep. Amen. Amen. Well, let's bring him some glory, sister. What do you want to know? That's right. Okay. So first of all, I'm going to uh, just give a little, just a quick little rundown. Let everybody know that me and you've known each other, I guess what, maybe four or five years. I was trying to figure that out. The time goes by so fast. Mm -hmm. So we met Try about, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Probably about five, five, maybe yeah. five, six years. Yeah, it, it probably might have been even five, six years. Time goes by so fast because this is 2020. Yeah, yep, this is 2020. So you're right. It probably has been about five, six years now. And we met through mutual friends from a small group, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, now we get to adventure again and be small group leaders together. So that's mm -hmm. really nice. Yes. Yeah, that's that is neat. Oh, and you know what? Before we officially met, I knew you because you uh served at Upward in the concession stands. And so for years you were there cleaning up and and yes. then I and then I started talking to you once and I'm like, oh, who you know, who are your kids? And you didn't even have kids in the program. You were just um serving the Lord. That is so true. You're right. I was doing the upward. Yes. And the lines, I remember sometimes I was like, oh, I, I'm getting overwhelmed. The lines would get pretty busy. You know, it seemed like either it was no one in line or everybody got in line, you know. And so then it's like you're trying to make the walking tacos real fast. And some other people wanted to pull pork and, you know, you had the hot dogs. But it, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed serving, you know, with the um, the teenagers that were there to help. And then. Uh, other times we had the adults, you know, and I got a chance to know them a little bit better. Some of the adults that like maybe we didn't I would see them in church and we were cross paths, but we had never um, officially like really talked about anything, you know. But I got a chance to know them better because of the fact that I um, 
was doing the concession stand, you know, we were serving together. So it was nice to be able to um, serve others and at the same time establish, I guess I would say, community amongst ourselves, you know. And when I got to, I get home, a lot of times I'll tell the kids, I'm like, oh, guess what? So and so, your friend served with me and, you know, and mentioned to them some of the things, you know, that we talked about or whatever. And they're like, wait a minute. So and so, and so. I was like, yeah. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> and I'll think, hey, are you getting jealous? <laughs> so, but yeah, I had a good time serving with the, um, the upward and onward and what was it, forward? I think that was the other one, upward, onward. Yeah, during that time, I do miss it. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. I really do miss it. Um, so now we're getting a chance to get get in there and dig in. Uh-huh. Dig in on Lisa's life, right? That's right. So I know uh, when you think about it, I know at least for myself, when I think about uh, childhood and some of the, Basically, that's the time when you get all of that foundational work that sets in, you know, during that time. So what do you think for yourself were um, the relationships that you found that were really important to you as a kid? What would you think? Um, my mom, definitely my mom. And uh um, there was this lady named Mrs. Grimaldi and, uh, I, I, she, I was a little kid. Um, I went to, I was in, I don't know, second, third, fourth grade, mm-hmm. and we would walk back and forth to school for four blocks. Okay. And, uh, and on like the second block, if you caught in a couple houses, there was this lady named Mrs. Grimaldi and word on the street was, if you went there, you know, you could get candy. And so we went and checked it out. And here's the thing. She would teach you a Bible verse. And then if you came back and remembered it and could tell it to her, she would give you candy. And I was just, I, I have thought about Mrs. Grimaldi so many times over, over the years, especially in the past 15 years, since I've really come to know the Lord. And, uh, I'm just so grateful and thank you, thankful for her. And, uh, Yeah, just Mrs. Grimaldi. She was massive. She was huge. She like planted that little bitty seed in my heart. And um, it didn't, you know, it it, it didn't really come to bloom until I was well into adulthood. But um, I can't I can't wait for heaven to see Mrs. Grimaldi and tell her thank you. And this you said this was around like second grade when it began. You would think. Yeah, somewhere in there. I was really little. Hmm. And a lot of the kids would, um, you know, they would make fun of her after we left and they would say they were just doing it for the candy. And oh, um, and I would say the same thing. I get mm-hmm. oh yeah, bleh. um, but uh it wasn't for the candy. My heart was so hungry, my heart was like yearning to know those things and just gobbled it up. Okay. And I think that most kids around us are are exactly the same. And um, so even those little tiny inconsequential things are are um they matter. They matter to the kingdom. They do, don't they? Like you say it uh, makes me think about um even with the Bible verse of saying one water another planet and God gives the increase. So you don't know who's going to be planting and watering us along the way. 
to get us to where God wants us to be. You know what I mean? I do. And just that, what's that, just that beautiful, that obedience and in the simple things, um, just doing what the Lord put on her heart. And I'm sure she wasn't trying to be like on trend back right. then or, you know, um, how many followers on Twitter. Uh, it was just, she was just doing it purely out of her love for God. And it, it, that's the, the hard thing there, right? <laughs> when we're doing it out of, like you say, a pure love for God, our motives because he knows our hearts when our motives are there and it's in the right place and lining up with his will. Like you said, we don't have to, even even though we didn't have the Twitter then, you know, it still was ways that we could do things to try to be known in our communities or what I, whatever. And now it's social media, like you said, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, all of those type of things. But she wasn't trying to get it for that. She wanted to really do the work of the Lord. Yeah. That I, I like that. <laughs> that memory makes me smile. It makes me think about uh, those moments as a kid as well. You know, teachers that took the time out to um, just to spill small little words into me, you know, and that's what makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So why do you think um, I would say, why do you think relationships are important in general? Ah, uh, because <laughs> the enemy, the thoughts, like there's just so many dark, destructive thoughts, just lies in my head. And if I don't have people constantly pulling me out of that, it gets really dark, really fast. Mm -hmm. So, so you look at the relationships as, as uh, basically kind of, uh, how would I put it? helping you to be accountable as well as like taking the burdens off. Would you see it as that too? When you think about the Bible verse where they say, bear you one another burdens, would you think in those terms as well? Yes, yes, most definitely. And and just reminding me of what's true, reminding me of who I really am. And then when there's women that I see living their lives for Christ and they're godly and I admire them and I respect them. And then when I really take out like those earplugs, you know, and, and truly listen to what they're saying, I'm like, I really like the person that they're talking about when they're talking about me. And then, but then the thoughts in my head tell me otherwise. And so the more time I spend alone and in my head, the more I'm going to listen to those bad thoughts that try, that pull me away from who my identity is in Christ. Um, so I just need love and truth and light pouring into me um, before I even begin with any burden. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And that, that so makes sense because uh, I'm reading a book now. It's called Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen. I just finished that. Yeah. I just finished that. Yes. Good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. I want to go run and grab it. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. I almost want to go run and grab it, but um, but I won't. <laughs> Yeah, but it's something how the book, you know, just how it talks about, you know, you got that one thought, how many thoughts that come, you know, it just struck me when they talked about the number of thoughts that come into our heads. 60,000. Yes. I distinctly remember reading that. 
Yes. And I think that's a low estimate. Are you kidding me? 60,000? I can do that getting into my car. That is true, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes, that is true. And like she said, mm -hmm, go ahead. No, no, you go. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Like she was saying how one thought, then it goes down. The next thing you know, you are going down a train of 25 other thoughts that can come in and lead to your behavior being a certain way just from the one thought. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It's um, it's pretty incredible in my thought life is one area where I am starting to have victory, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it's, it's slow going and it's hard fought and it's uh, not as often as I would like it, the victory. So basically I'm getting my butt kicked in my thought life and always have been. And that's one area where um, God is working with me right now to take back some ground. Okay. But it's it overwhelming to me for exactly that 60,000 thoughts. Come on. How am I going to chase each one down, bring it in and, you know, see how it lines up to the, to the word of God, take every thought captive to Christ. Is that how the verse goes? Yes. Yes. That's overwhelming to me. 60,000. I I, I can't do it. It's exhausting. And so um, I'm now I'm starting to think like, okay, instead of chasing those thoughts down, I need to make a big thought bubble and live inside of it. And everything needs to pass through that. Mm-hmm. And I imagine myself in this bubble with a, with a big old sword, with a big pointy top. I need it to be like pointy on the top. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and I think, and I just say the verse, though weapon may be formed, it will not prosper. And then any bad thought that comes, boom, hits the tip of that sword and pops. That's what I was just picturing too, because I'm real visual. So as you were talking about the bubble and the sword and it being pointing and I'm picturing you going pop. <laughs> yeah. And so to me, it's like, all right, I can't chase down 60,000 different thoughts, but I can just kind of curl up in a little ball and clutch my sword and just chill out in this bubble. You know what I mean? Like I can do that. And so I just have to keep bringing myself into that visual. And especially when a flood of bad thoughts are coming at me, that's like the safest place I can be is crouched down in that little bubble with my sword. Oh, yeah, for sure. You say it's on, right? <laughs> but it, it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. amazing, though, with the thought life. You know, I think of myself even the other day, I was at work and I'm setting up Chromebooks, you know, to get ready to enroll them. And then all of a sudden, this looks like this train of thoughts. And then I feel the anger rising with them, you know, and then sometimes it's like I'll have to talk to myself in third person. It's like, Tina, you know, this is the spirit of anger that's trying to attack you, you know, or sometimes, you know, if it's a trigger, you know, I had to remind myself, this is a trigger, you know, this is not what's happening now, you know, and, and this trigger is causing all kind of emotions to come up, you know, and if it's anger and I'm, um, I have to figure out a way to kind of like release it from my body and still kind of talk myself down, 
You know what I'm saying? Breathing. And sometimes I'm like standing there going like that, you know, or whatnot, or as if I'm stretching, but I'm actually like doing my arms like this, trying to get the anger, you know, to come out. But yeah, it's a lot of, like you said, you know, talking down, you know, or either I'm telling, you know, repeating the verse to myself about taking every thought uh, captive. But I do um, resonate with what she was saying is that sometimes the one thought can avoid a hundred more. Yes. Because we usually like start spiraling into several more based upon one or two things. You know, it's kind of like, if you're mad at someone or because something they've said, you know, or it could be something that, you know, you have a right to be angry about, but then you're, you know, you'll be mad at that one thing. And then the devil will get busy and have us thinking about 50 more things they did. Yep. That's right. And that's another thing God's been showing me is like, you don't have to keep track of all those different thoughts because it all kind of boils down to there's a couple core thoughts that I believe about myself. And whenever I step into one of them, boom, there goes your 60,000. And so I, God is just taking me through this healing journey, although painful. like, who are you? What thoughts are you going to believe? It, it really just comes down to these two different thoughts. Who are you? Are you who the world says you are? Are you who, you know, are are you that broken, fractured, um, traumatized, you know, um, child who's thinking out thoughts out of that reality? Or am I a precious beloved daughter of Christ sent to this world with a a purpose, a reason, and that's to bring glory to God and to let him shine through me in this dark, broken world? Like, okay, that I mean, I could just like, I felt a physical like, ha, I just like my body relaxed, that thought even feels different. Mm-hmm. And which one do we want to operate out of? And I love that you do that, that you move your arms because that's turning those thoughts and those feelings into something real. And it is real. Those thoughts manifest. And 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 it's hard to like, you can't squish a thought. You can't touch it. You can't study it or examine it. Um, you know, in like you would an object, but um, it, 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 it like gives, it, it shows that it is real and there are results and it's, it's true. And I think that validates us. And then once we validate it and acknowledge this hurt, this was painful. I've, I'm literally carrying this this tension is in my muscles and it's time to release it and let it go and it makes something abstract like a thought it makes it concrete and something we can control and actually physically do I don't know I think that's wonderful yeah it's it's, um, um, in the beginning what I would do when I felt the anger coming on and particularly um because of, uh, you know, the trauma. And I would hit music and listen to, and it would like take me to another zone. So I did not feel that way. It would help me when I felt like the aggression was coming up, that part of trauma. 
But what I didn't know in the beginning, and I had to learn through reading, uh, I'm reading this one book right now, slowly reading it so I can absorb the material. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. So with that book and uh, some other articles I read, you know, writing now. So sure that trauma resides in the body. So like me just saying the things when it comes to anger and me feeling the aggression, it wasn't enough. It re- I realized from reading the articles, I needed to get it out. So, you know, they gave different things for suggestions. So like if I'm home, I'll actually do like some kickboxing moves and I can feel myself getting it out. So if I'm at work, you know, it's like a little bit more discreet, but I'm still like moving, you know, and I was reading this article recently um, and I was like, well, I could really resonate with it. They talked about anger, sadness coming in through the front. And I'm like, boy, can I relate to that? Because I can feel my emotions sometimes when they get trapped from trauma, like in my stomach and coming up. But they said sadness comes up the front and it travels up to the throat, comes out through the eyes. Hmm. Anger starts at the back where the legs are, it, come, it travels up your back. That emotion, like as far as how the energy moves through your body and it comes out through the eyes, the mouth, we feel it in our arms, our hands, our shoulders. It's all that tension. So when I'm doing That's anger, isn't, yes, it's anger. So you're able to get it out. And they were saying in an article, that's why sometimes when people make the sound and I would do that too, you know, just make it low. Uh, Cause it's not no, anyone like just directly right next to me. But if you're going like, mm, you know, you're able to like help to actually release it along with the movement so that it doesn't stay in your body. I like that. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like things where it just sits in your body, it's got to come out. So it's like just not just the words when it comes to the trauma, but it actually has to come out that energy that's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, I have so many different thoughts. There's like 10 different things I could tell you. Oh, I'm quite sure I know some myself. So now, um, did music, do you think music played a, a part, any part of your life? growing up from childhood to now? And if so, what what part do you think it played? You know, I'm not a musical person and I don't get it and I can't read it. Um, So I, that's not my go-to, but it has been, but you know, when things are really, really bad, I Mm -hmm. just, I just play a song over and over and over. And then, and I think it's not my go-to, but it's so valuable and God really ministers to my heart. And um, lately I've been playing the blessing. I try to play it every single day um, and just blast it out of the TV. So it's like those words are going out into my house and um, yeah, God speaks to me in very powerful ways um, through, through music. And I felt that for myself, too. It's something about music, like from childhood, you know, listening to music. But it's like with that song in particular, you were talking about certain songs. I could literally just feel the presence of God. And whenever I hear that song by um, Carrie Joe, yes, and Cody Carnes or something like that. Uh-huh. Oh my word. And I hear it and I can just sense the presence of God. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'll do in the dark of night when your head's swirling mm-hmm. and all the bad stuff comes out. And um, I just huddle up in my little thought bubble with my sword. And I just think like he goes before me. He's behind me. He's beside me. He's all around me. He's within me. Um, He is for me. And I'll tell myself those things over and over and almost like just chanting it. And um, and I'll just just keep washing my mind with that scripture. And so the dark, yucky stuff can't boil up and take over. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I love those parts too. And I'm one, you know, uh, my son, <laughs> he likes to tease me because he says, what did he say? I like it. He calls them intimate Christian love songs. That's what he calls them. He said, those are my favorite. Anything that's that. I surrender it all. I give my all to you, Lord. You know, he likes to tease, but he said, I said, yeah, that is true. You know, but I, I'm one that really hones down on the words. And it's like, sometimes what I can't, I feel when I'm in moments where I feel like I can't put words to, and I'll hear a song and you're like, yes, yes, yes. You know, and the blessing is one of those ones. Like you said, when she talks about behind and before and the side and with it, you know, and it's just, Oh my goodness. Yeah. I can just feel the Holy spirit just washing over. Yes. Uh Yeah. Love it. And you know, I think that the re like God is supernatural. God, you know, Jesus performed miracles and we, you know, that's not part of our everyday life or experience. And we're like in the scientific generation the you know um and and so i think that music that's where you can see the the supernatural power of god and like the power of his words and and i really do believe that when when it's getting dark in our house and everyone's getting snippy and mean and there's fights and just no unity no harmony um and I play that song I really 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 do believe that whether I play it on the on there or whether I say it out loud God's words are they have power they have power that we can't understand that Mm -hmm. we can't replicate here on earth um but if 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 you really believe that and speak that out loud, it shifts. Something's different. It does, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it brings life. And like it said in the scripture that his word will not return unto him void. You know, so if his word, you know, is being sung, is being said, is giving life and it has power, you know. Yeah. So if you're just driving home and you and K-Love is on and you may not even be paying attention you're surrounded. You're, you're covered. God's word is swirling around and that has, you know, a ripple effects out into, into the world. I hope that you have had a chance to dissect some of the material that Lisa and I have been talking about. I know some of it is heavy and some of it might Uh, also be healing for you for those of you who have had some uh, wounds in these particular areas 
Uh, let's tune in to see what else Lisa has to tell us. The cross again. The valley of grace was never the same after he had died. The love that refines. I'm right. back. Understand how it is? Yeah, I do understand. So, you know, uh, my next question for you: I'm trying. I'm wondering how you're coping during the pandemic, and then, along with that, what advice would you give somebody who's struggling at this time? You know, pandemic, we're up and down, up and down. In some ways, it's been a real blessing. And in other ways, it's just life is super frustrating. Um, but uh, I would suggest press in, press into the Lord during this time. Because we, you know, um, if you're able to, and, um, you know, like, I don't have to, I don't have to get up at 6am and hit the ground running anymore. I can be a little bit slower and a little bit more intentional. And I didn't, and you know, people would always say, press in, press in. I'm like, what does that even mean? How, you know? Um, and, um, and I don't understand that. And so I, God is kind of teaching me what that means. Like when you wake up in the night and that one destructive, painful thought pops into your head, um, are you going to go with it and spiral down and get 60,000 other thoughts going? Or are you going to press in? And for me, that means turn on my audible. Um, I have audible. I have a book right now turn it on, put the sleep timer on for 30 minutes. I'm going to go to sleep with like truth and scripture pouring into my ear. And I'm going to just trust in the supernatural power of God's word to relax my mind and change my thoughts and change my brain. And so I can sleep and not get caught up in that. So to me, that's, that's an example of what it means to press in. Right. Just like find your weakness and find a way to pull God into it. And maybe you're like us, we need visuals. Yes. Maybe for maybe for someone else, it's a word. Maybe you just have to have a, a verse that you chant over and over and over and mm-hmm. over and over. Um there's a hundred other things, but Yeah, that's what I would say. Use this time to press into the Lord and he's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. There's no doubt about it. Are we going to step up and surrender and say, pick me, Lord, send me? Um, Or, and and when I say, are we, when I say this, I really mean me, um, are we going to just cling to all the old ways, cling to our will, what we wanted the way it should be. And like, how long am I going to just white knuckle that thing? Like Gollum in my precious, that's Mm -hmm. basically what's happening to me. The tighter I hang on to my will, or am I going to let this whole huge, massive pandemic finally cause me to open up my hands and just surrender it to the Lord. And it's the hardest thing. And I never thought that 
I don't know. I just can't even believe that this is what I'm wrestling with. It seems like such an elementary foundational, like, shouldn't I have done this when I accepted Christ into my heart? Wasn't I supposed to have surrendered everything then? Like, why is this so hard for me? Yeah, it's hard for me as well. It's frustrating. I thought... yeah. And I, and, and, and I think that I'm, I'm better than that. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm above that. Those are basic uh, problems. Okay. Um, but you know, and, and so then on top of struggling with it, now I'm shaming myself and now I'm blah. It's just, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Unless I'm crouched down, clutching my sword, speaking God's truth. And guess what? We're all a mess unless we're clutching down, right? With the, <laughs> holding our sword, right? <laughs> Y'all ain't holding his word yep. life over us, you know? Yes, we are all, we are. Yeah, all amen. I definitely understand. Okay, so um, now we want to talk about, move over a little bit to a different area. What, as far as what you do for a living? Yeah, can you give the audience some You betcha. I am a sixth grade science teacher. I have 100 students ages 11 and 12. Uh Aha. Okay. Science. Wow. You know, I did not in grammar school. I never got into science. I didn't start getting into it until I started homeschooling my kids. Isn't that something? Science and history. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into it really deeply until I started like homeschooling my kids, you know, and um, yeah, yeah, it's it's just really something. I remember when I thought about I'm like, okay, I'm homeschooling, but they need to know something about dissection and all of that. When it came to high school, and I'm like, I'm not ordering all of that and having. It's like you know how certain things, certain smells, like stick with you. And I could just smell, like, standing in the biology lab, freshman year of high school, I could smell the smell of those frogs and the earthworms. Mm-hmm. And that, um, I forget what they call that. But the, the smell, like, as soon as I thought about formaldehyde, the formaldehyde, thank you. As soon as I thought about dissection, it's like that smell came up, like, in my nose instantly. And I was just like, mm-mm. I'm not doing it. And I ended up ordering a digital frog. It's a um, computer program called Digital Frog that they have out there for homeschool students. And you click on the part, okay. pulls it out of the body. So you can dissect it. You're doing it on the screen and learn all about the parts. So they got a chance to do. Cool. Isn't that pretty cool? The earthworm, the frog, uh, an eyeball, and it might have been a fourth one. But uh, it was gonna, a- I'm gonna I'm gonna jot that down because we're gonna have to have a follow up to this so I can chase down all my bunny trail thoughts. Yeah. With you. Yes. Yeah. But, but it's but- all good stuff. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you're very welcome. So I, I loved using that and uh, what was the other one for science? I used Discovery Education. I had a like if you homeschool, they gave you a special price to get out there. And I could go out there and use their science videos. And they had quizzes and all of that set up. I mean, it, it was really nice. Yes, science. Wow. So now was that, was that the original path that you set up, uh, set out for once you completed high school? 
No, it was a very um, happy accident. I, uh, you know, growing up was rough. I had a lot of, um, basically my dad left when I was young and I felt abandoned and those uh, caused some, that's where that, that core thought of who am I, that's where that faulty thought began to build and um and I just felt like I don't know it sounds silly but I wanted to really make something of myself I wanted to make something I wanted to be a doctor because I kind of like I wanted to redeem my dad and all his bad decisions and just let him know that you know he wasn't he wasn't what he thought he was, he wasn't worthless. And I was going to go out there and and become a doctor and prove it to him. And in turn, I was really proving that to myself. And Mm. so that was just the, it was, um, you know, so I became a biology major and I fell in love with it because I didn't realize it at the time, but that's God. Studying science is like, getting a glimpse into God. And so basically that's what I was doing for four years. I was just like, I love what I see in all the thing, that elegant design. It's so brilliant. Mm-hmm. And there's some things in science that are just straight up funny. And, yeah. um, and, and, you know, there are like all the scientific principles and the laws of gravity and, and Newton's laws, they all apply in the physical world, but they make sense in our heart too, in our thoughts, like for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Basically you reap what you sow. Um, so I could, I could, I just, I saw God in my studies and that's what I was longing for. That's what would bring me to Mrs. Grimaldi's. And, um, that's what made me devour that word that she was giving me. And, um, and so that's why I did that. So then I got into a program and I actually went and interviewed and I knew that this was horrible for me. And I had a dream. I had, it's really still super vivid. Like, you know how there's back roads and then there's a highway and yes. there's like a ditch in between. So it's yes. like, you've got a cool little neighborhood here and then totally separate. So I'm in way in the back of this little subdivision and I'm about to turn right and go parallel with the highway. And so I get up to it and like, I just <laughs> put my foot on the gas and kept going straight. And <clears throat> I went through the big ditch and I got on the highway and then I took off and I was like, woohoo. And um, it sounds crazy, but God was releasing me. I feel like God, that was what I needed to know that you don't have to go the way you're going. I, you can just totally off road it. It's okay. It's, you know, and for being a rule follower and just a student, give me a syllabus, tell me the rules. Boom, boom, boom. I'm excellent at being a student. And so, um, but life doesn't work that way. Yeah. So I can't explain it, but I, after that, I just, I knew that I wasn't supposed to go and I knew that it was going to be okay. And, um, and so I, I called my mom and told my mom, um, 
unfortunately I, you know, have problems with alcohol and addiction issues. So at this point in my life, I just, I got very drunk and then I called my mom in a drunken stupor. Um, I was just living lies and didn't even have the confidence in myself to call my mom and say, Hey, I don't want to do this when really that's a wise thing. And it's a bold thing. And when you talked about like, okay, so I was just teaching my kids at school, social and emotional stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's your amygdala at the core. That's like your fight or flight. That's automatic. That's survival. And then there's your cortex and your cortex is slow and methodical and thinks and examines and reasons. So basically, here's the lesson I had to teach my kid and I had my kids at school and I had visuals. Like when you have a strong emotional reaction to something, your amygdala is being set off. And so then you need your cortex to make sense of it and relay back to the amygdala. Like, it's okay. It's just a fire alarm. Calm your heart, slow your breathing, you know? Um, and so your cortex kind of communicates with the amygdala. And, and so basically when I was a kid and forming these thoughts that I'm worthless and just all kinds of horrible things that aren't true in comparison to God's word, as I'm thinking all these things, well, then, you know, um, that's how your cortex responds to the amygdala. So then every time I have a strong emotion, my cortex says, yeah, you're right. This pride is terrible. The sky probably is falling because you're worthless and because you're doomed, you know? And so it keeps that, that those thoughts keep that cycle going. And so, um, it was just a really cool picture. And I kind of needed in science, like that's what God's word is telling me. But here's the like, here's the, the, the neurological response that scientists can measure and show their scans, you know, for some reason I need that. I need Mm -hmm. that certainty. Right. To, to cap the back it up until you get like that visual picture of what's going on. Yeah. So now taking every thought captive, that's what my cortex is doing. My cortex is saying, hey, amygdala, this isn't a level 10. This isn't Mach 10. Chill. Like, and then, yeah. So I don't know. The cortex. Yeah. Would you say the cortex is basically like dissecting and then interpreting the information and talking back to the amygdala? Yep. And, and, and if you think about it, our cortex is going to do that through one of two core thoughts, or maybe people have more, I don't even know, but you know, we need a framework in which to think through. And so which, which lens am I going to interpret this data through the one that says I'm worthless and I'm doomed. Um, then that's going to get the harm, the, you know, the, the strong emotion and it's going to inter. Yeah. Yeah. This is a problem. This is trouble. And then there go those 60,000 other thoughts. I got you. Done. Just like that. Happens between the, amygdala and the cortex. Yeah. So yeah. we're basically retraining our brain and then we're we're the cortex is framing the reaction to the amygdala. It's okay, everything's fine. This is a deep fear 
but um, let's go back to God's word. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Um, and and then that's where that's where God makes the changes. Because mm-hmm. those words of life is actually speaking to our souls and our bodies and letting our bodies know that it's okay. You know? Yeah. And then time calms us down. Yeah, and that that was actually on my list of things to talk to you about, so I can scratch that off. But you know, that goes back to the book, "The Body Keeps the Score." Yes, like, there's book. there's the science behind it, and then your body stores these memories, and then yes. the next time, you know, like if if someone slams on their brakes in front of me, and I have a close call, that can ruin my whole entire day because Literally. my cortex is like oh my gosh, this is horrible. What if, what if I get into an accident? What if the kids get in an accident? What about insurance? Am I going to have to take a day off to get mm-hmm. this and this and that? And my head goes in that direction. And then all day long, it's I'm just feeling like there's 15 crises happening to me and none of them even happened. Oh yes, for sure. But that one thing went to the next thing, went to the next thing because the fear that fear brain took over, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Once that fear gets latched, which I understand, like I said, by me dealing with trauma. And it's like, even though you know the scripture and you're saying it, when that fear gets latched, you know, and that emotional side, the fear takes over. It's like, you know the truth, but the reasoning goes out the door. You know what I mean? And um, at that point, I can tell when like the trauma is taking over because the fear is you, you're on such high alert. It's almost like you would think somebody was like right behind you. You know what I mean? And there yes. are times like that when that has happened. But what has helped to calm me down and I know it was nobody but the Lord, a praise song has come into my head. So even while that's activated and I'm having a hard time, like at that particular time, like sometimes I'm able to calm myself down. Other times if I can still feel like the fear taking over, but then I'll have a praise song in my head. And yeah, it's it's, it's God's way of letting me know you're going to be fine. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. You know, even while you're experiencing this. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing how things how it works out with the body, you know, as we were saying, what do you think are some of the mistakes that uh, you made along the way in getting to your career? Or do you think you made any in trying to get to it? As you were I, I feel like God led me to this career. And even though like my broke, it's just kind of cool. I always knew I wanted a teacher to be a teacher when I was a little kid. Um, I knew I wanted to be a teacher, but I just, I felt like that wasn't ambitious enough. That wasn't fancy enough. Like I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to validate myself. And again, and I, in my mind, being a teacher was too basic. And, um, you know, that thinking really keeps me out of walking 
and out God's will for my life. And it's those simple little, I guess that's arrogance and pride um, fueled by like a feeling of worthlessness. Mm -hmm. And man, that is powerful. And that's moved my life. But God has allowed it to happen because then I pursued biology as my major. And I got to know the Lord's heart. And I'm like, I don't know who this is or what thought of this, but whoever it is, they're majestic, they're holy, they're funny, they're brilliant. Like my mind was blown. And so God used that to draw me in and draw me closer to him. And then, you know, to combine, like, I just, I think science is fascinating I love, love, love kids. I have such a heart for children um, and I love to teach and to learn. And so God, you know, put all those together. And that's why I feel like what I do right now is my is my calling. Yes. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Amen. Um, what do you think the word brokenness means? What, what does it mean to you? <sighs> Ouch. Ouch. (laughs) Um, It means pain at a really super deep level that just (laughs) throw just, you know, like if you break your leg, Mm -hmm. think of the 80 other things you can't do. You know, think about Mm -hmm. all the implications, all the way that's going to affect you in your everyday living And that's kind of what brokenness does to us. It's not just that one thing. It's all the things that are connected to it. So it's, it's catastrophic. It can be like, kind of like dominoes when the dominoes start falling. Yeah. Ah, Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so, um, in your opinion, why do you think people stay in the, the, um, And their brokenness for so long. Um, I can only speak for me. Fear. um, Unbelief. Unbelief. Thinking that I'm not believing I'm who God says I am. And believing that I'm who the world told me I was. Worthless not worth being protected or provided for, replaceable, and not even replaceable for somebody good, replaceable with like, you know, I don't even know the right way to say it. Um, Those early years really impacted me. Um, Basically, my dad left his whole family. I was the youngest of four kids. He left his wife and his four kids um, to, you know, um, just drink and party and have a, a life with another woman right in our hometown. And her kids, uh, her kids went to school where we and they ended up living in where my friend lived and I can remember like it had been months since I saw my dad and I'm walking home from school with my friend we're walking through the apartment buildings and there's my dad uh, sitting out back at the sliding glass door with uh, his new girlfriend and her two kids oh wow and uh 
that, that, and that it's like, here's a visual. I got to do a visual. Oh, see, and I don't even have my mouse. I don't know. Like, uh, this, what's this junk? I can get a new one. I can replace it. Like, that's how I felt in this woman. She didn't know the Lord. She wasn't, I'm trying to be positive and not say what I really want to say. Um, but basically she wasn't anybody I would look up to or emulate or admire. And the fact that that's the person that my dad replaced me with made me feel like I was even lower than that. And, um, boom, that's my worth. That's my worth. And that lie and that wound has fueled so many bad decisions. Um, Even to this day, even this morning, I'm wrestling with this. And, um, and, uh, you know, uh, you just look back on, on all the lies I believed, all the pain I put myself through, all the, as much as other people deceived me, I deceived myself by telling myself that that's what I deserved. And, um, and yeah, I don't know, just a whole living in brokenness. Ah, it just brings so much pain and so much destruction. And not only did it wreak havoc in my life, but out of my woundedness, when I was living out of that lie that I'm worthless, I did a ton of horrible things. And now I pass that on to my children. Now that my kids are getting older and becoming adults, I see the life struggles that they're going to have. And And, you know, a lot of them are because of me, because of the wounds I inflicted unknowingly out of my brokenness. And so sometimes I can't do things for myself. That's not enough motivation because I, at the core, I still struggle with if I'm worth that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I never struggle with my friends or my kids or the body of Christ. Um, I know that every single person is uniquely and wonderfully and beautifully made and that they're, they're, they're worth it. They're worth the price God paid when Jesus died on the cross. And so I can fight for other people when I don't always think I can fight for myself. And so that has helped me. Like, I want to fix this so that my, I want to do this so that my kids can do it. And I want to conquer this lie and walk in the truth of who God made me to be. And then maybe then if I can do that, my kids can do that. And then all that sin that they're carrying, all that trauma, all, all, all the stuff that just came out of my woundedness, then they can drop all that too. Yeah. So that's just kind of, I wish I would have had this all figured out before so my kids could have a nice, smooth childhood with no trauma or trials. Um, But that's not the way it happened. And what's done is done. And all I can do is, you know, cling to God's word and, and try every day to just 
allow his truth to come in and break yeah. apart all those lies, pop all those bubbles and help me to like, so I'm not just crouching down, hiding behind my sword anymore. So I can like stand up and stand tall and drive that sword into the ground and claim my territory. This is my ground that the Lord gave me. And then to march forward with that sword held high and go back and reclaim all the other all the other land, the rest of the land that yes. the enemy has taken over that belongs to me, that Amen. is rightfully mine as an heir to the throne Amen. in Christ Jesus. Yes. That's yes. the life I want to live. That's what. So if I could, if out of my unbelief, I could teach my kids lies that cause them pain, then you know what? I can also, out of my belief, start teaching them truths that free them from those lies. Amen. So I don't need to sit in a spot of condemnation. <sighs> yes. Yes. I totally feel you, you know? Totally. You, yeah. And whatever we believe, the world is going to prove. Yeah. If I walk around feeling like I'm worthless and I deserve nothing, I'm only going to make it a mile down the street before five different things happen. Someone cuts me off. Oh, yeah. look, I don't even matter in traffic. Exactly. No one even notices me in traffic. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, so the world's going to give you evidence to support whatever you're believing. But then if I leave here saying I'm a daughter of the king and he loves me and he delights in me, I'm going to drive a mile and I'm going to notice the sky and the clouds. And man, look how huge that tree is and how it slowly rises. And just the majesty, the beauty of nature. Right, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And as I was listening to you, you know, give some of your story, you know, and even now I can tell, I, you know, I had tears in my eyes because I know about those abandonment wounds and they run deep. Abandonment wounds run real deep, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, because along with abandonment, uh, you deal with that spirit of rejection. You know, when someone yes. you, then it's the spirit of rejection. And then when we're rejected, we're trying to do the opposite. We got to try to prove that we can be accepted by someone. So we start just, you know, it just starts up that hustle and it keeps continuing in life. Like you said, until we, figure out like, this is not working, you know? This is not working. Yeah, whatever we're using to cope with it, you know? It's not working. And so um, what would be your advice for someone who is dealing with the areas of brokenness that you are dealing with? Um, surround yourself, be intentional. Like, um, when I was getting, when I, the season, when I was going through my divorce, it was in the fall and, um, there was, uh, out in Lake Zurich at the chapel, they were doing Beth Moore, uh, James. And I thought, you know what, that's right where I need to be. I need to be in God's word and I need to be surrounded by believers who can pick me up and lift me up and 
quite simply just carry me through this season. And, um, and in hindsight, that was the Lord. And I'm so grateful for that. So I would say, whatever it looks like for you, join a Bible study, an in-depth one, or I'm doing Celebrate Recovery right now. Um, Yeah, it's wonderful. It's basically a 12-step program, but Christ-based. Right. And so, um, but again, it's not so much the program or the Bible study. I get deep into God's word every single week, and I'm allowing to like open up those wounds and pick through it and examine it and be like, are we keeping this? Are we getting rid of that? And you know, it's not fun. It's like moldy, maggoty stuff that's mm-hmm. coming up and it's not fun and I don't like it, but I have beautiful, wonderful women around me who keep telling me I'm doing the right thing and who lift me up in prayer. And when I'm feeling like I'm not enough, that I'm not worthy of love. Um, They tell me otherwise. They give me scripture. They pray over me. They send me worship music. They carry me through it. So just um, get in God's word and Um, And get around people because when you're dealing with brokenness on this level, think about it. Think about it. Why did Satan come after me as a kid? Why did Satan like, boom? I mean, that was a massive hit meant to take me out at an early age. And it wreaked tons of habit habit because I started thinking that I wasn't worthy. And then everything that happened after that a family member uh, sexually abused me. I, I, I'm like, oh, oh, okay, that, that makes sense because I'm worthless, because I'm replaceable, because I'm lower than, you know, than that. And um, I lost my train of thought. I apologize. That's okay. It happens. But you need people, man, because this is, dirty, ugly, yucky, deep stuff. And Satan is, is, is cunning and he's sly and he's crafty. And he, he, he knew my heart and he knew that God made me to be a champion for children. And if he could take me out, he could take out all, you know, all the good that God wanted to do through my life. And so he's not, he's going to bring his a game. Like this is the NBA finals. He's not just coming to shoot around. Um, He, uh, He's going to come at me and he's going to take me out at the knees and he's going to try to cripple me for the rest of my Mm -hmm. life. And this is generational sin we're talking about. This stemmed from my father's childhood. And then you look at his parents and their parents. And now I've unwittingly passed it down to my kids. It's six generations that I am aware of. When does it stop? When does it end? So as difficult and as painful as it is, I'm not just doing it for myself. I'm doing it for my kids and for their kids and for their kids. I want this generational sin to stop with me. I want to turn it around. I want to believe that I am who God says that I am. And I want to raise my kids up in the knowledge of that truth. And not only my kids, I want to teach it to all the kids I come into contact with. And that, and one of your questions was, what's the hardest part of your job? That's the 
hardest part of my job. I work in a public school. God made me like a fierce warrior, champion, gladiator, wonder woman when it comes to kids. And um, so here I am with all this passion and all this desire and conviction and um and I work in a public school and I can't say the name of God. That's gotta be hard. It's hard, but it's beautiful because I can't do it the way I think it should be done, but God still does it. And then yes. when he still does it, like just the other day, I'm asking the kids, oh, did you do your 20 minutes of reading? What'd you read? Oh, I read the Bible. Oh, you did? What book are you reading? Oh, I'm reading James, as a matter of fact. I'm like, whoa, that's a good book for the times. Keep in mind, we're on Zoom with 25 other kids, and there's some parents sitting around there, too. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm dialoguing with her about a book she's reading. If she had said where the red fern grows, I would have asked questions about that. And so, um, so I felt like in my job, I really wasn't doing anything wrong. And then I told her, I'm like, ah, I said, you know, I did the same thing this morning. I said, I'm, I'm reading Genesis. I'm like, I actually, my verse of the day was Genesis 20, the, the 10 commandments. I'm like, so that wasn't exactly light reading. And, um, you know, so I'm having this conversation with her over zoom and the whole time I'm praising God, like, this is you, God, you are working through me and so much better than if I were in charge of this. Isn't that the truth? Yep. We have our plans and then he has his plans, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but then I just think, okay, thank you, God. Like, use me, show me what do you, and then I'll pray, and then God will put on my heart. Hey, I want you to say this, and so I mean, I I totally call an audible. You know, I'm changing right. the game plan, and I'll I'll just be obedient in those simple things, and I'll say um, I'll say what God wants me to say, and then. An hour later, I get this beautiful email from a kid just opening their heart to me. And um, it's beautiful and say, you know, like, I'm so glad you said what you said. And I blah, blah. It's like, okay, God, that was you. That Amen. was you. Amen. And all they, the and, way. Yeah. 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 All the way. Well, I got two last questions for you. Uh, the first one I want to ask you is, what do you think happens um, as a result of someone uh, that's not dealing with unhealed brokenness? Like if they don't, if they don't deal with their, they make the decision. Anyone makes the decision of not dealing uh, with brokenness. What do you think the end result of that is? And I can tell you exactly right away. A picture jumped into my mind. I have a cute, adorable little 10 pound Yorkie poo. Okay. Um, and we, we, yeah. And uh, we were at the dog park and I wish I were, ma- if I were going to exaggerate and take a kind of bad story and really bump it up for maximum effect, this is what I'd say, but this really did happen. A 130 pound great Dane picked up my little dog and just it was horrific shook him oh shook word. him his his um 
the jaws broke through the dog's skin on both sides. They had to like open them up, clean it out. It was horrifying. But that's a picture of me when I'm operating under my brokenness. Okay. Gotcha. I am just prey. I am just easy pickings for a 130 pound lab to just come up and grab and, and thrash around and mm-hmm. then spit out. And the, my dog's getting whipped around like a rag doll. And uh, that's me. That's wow. my life. Those are my choices when I'm living out of brokenness and I'm just tired. I don't want to do that anymore. Yes. Amen. I love the descriptive visual. Not what happened, but the way that you tied that into brokenness, you know, yeah. and uh, the devil, he will have a field day with us, won't he? They say a foothold, sometimes he just gets a toe, you know, there's one little yeah. toe, he has a field day with us, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the last thing that I want to ask you to think about, what does the word home mean to you? You think of the word home. You know, it means different things. It kind of means like sadness and grief and loneliness. Mm-hmm. When I think about, you know, um, it, it means those things. Um, sometimes home means like a place that I want to escape. Yes. Um, but more than anything, home to me is, you know, we we have this sectional and it's just me and my kids and the dogs and my mom, all of us just piled up on this sectional all over each other. Quit kicking me. Move your hand. <laughs> and um, and just watching a movie and all of us being together. And to me, like that's 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 everything that's everything wow I like that picture (laughs) like I said I'm visual and I'm just picturing like you said on the sectional and just been able to breathe and being with the people that you love right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and just one last thing I just I have to tell to you know I don't know this just I think this brings a ton of glory to God. So, um, you know, like I said, being a public school teacher, I'm always looking for legal ways that I can, um, you know, shine God's hope in the world. And um, so one of the girls told me, she, it's a Thursday morning. We're talking. What'd you do last night? I went to youth group. <gasps> you did tell me about it. So mm-hmm. now I'm just asking a follow-up question. I'm just building relationships. That's my part of my job. Exactly. And uh, so she starts telling me all about youth group and what she's learning. And oh. I gave her a Jolly Rancher. And I said, um, I said, you know what? Every Thursday, if you can, if you can, you know, tell me. Tell me what you learned and what you think about it. I'll give you a Jolly Rancher. Right. And so every every Thursday, that girl came and found me and told me what um, what happened. And I'm Mrs. Grimaldi. You sure are, aren't you? Right. Yes. And like, oh, 
I can't think of a higher honor. I can't think of a greater calling. And so much in my life I spent trying to like run from who God, who I am and trying to be somebody totally different. And you know what? God made me to be a simple, basic teacher who gives kids candy for telling them Bible stories. And you know what? Like, that's okay with me. That's enough. Yes. Yeah. It's more than enough because it's, yeah, it's more than enough because this is God's calling on my life. And so whatever, you know, whatever pain it is, it's, it's worth it to press into him and let him heal. Amen. Yeah. Thank you so very, very much. And I want to thank my listeners for tuning in and being blessed by the interview with Lisa Romero. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, Lisa. Like I said, thanks again. This this has been really well. This has been good. This has been really good. Yeah. It's always good talking to you. And I love how God keeps weaving us into each other's lives in so many different ways. Yeah. We've never actively pursued a friendship. No. It, it just was God. Bringing. The Lord just keeps. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's that's beautiful. It. it is beautiful. I love it. Yes. Thank you so much, girl. Thank yes. you. God bless you. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to thank you for listening to episode 69, an interview with Lisa Romero. Thank you. And until next time. I also want to give a shout out to Timothy Horton, who is doing our intro and outro music. And the song that he is singing is entitled Valley of Grace. God bless. change